Fantastic4.html is brought to you by the fine folks at cageclub.me. So for all things movies, music, comics, TV, and more, check out the folks at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And we are here today to discuss everybody's favorite superheroes. Well, true, we've had an amazing journey through the stars and all the galaxy a long time ago and far, far away. Today, we're going to switch tracks and we're going to take a bit of a turn in space and we're going to discuss everybody's favorite fantastic heroes. That's right, we're going to be discussing Sharon Ventura, Crystal, Medusa, and She-Hulk. I know one of those. Okay, so maybe I didn't go with the Fantastic Four everybody recognizes, but we're here today to talk about the Fantastic Four, Marvel's first family. Interesting to me that you keep saying everybody's favorite superheroes, though. Personally, I never had any strong attachment or even attraction to the Fantastic Four as a superhero group. And what you're saying kind of echoes the realities of the Fantastic Four's awkward time in the spotlight. While the Fantastic Four were in many ways the flagship family of the Marvel Universe, kind of paving the way for other heroes like the Avengers and the X-Men, along with Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, really, it kind of comes down to the runs. Fantastic Four was popular under Stanley and Jack Kirby, probably one of their best-known collaborations. It ran 111 uninterrupted issues, holding the record for most consecutive issues by a single creative team, until it was ultimately tied by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley on Ultimate Spider-Man which was kind of the first title of the Ultimate Universe. So it's cute. There's nice play. I don't mind that they tie. And it's not 616 anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, it's 1606. So from there, the next major run of the Fantastic Four that garnered a lot of attention would be John Byrne. Now, this wouldn't be until after he left the X-Men, and this is in the 200s. I mean, we're up there. This is in the 80s that the next time the Fantastic Four really rose to prominence. They would remain kind of unpopular on and off for a while. Every time there was a a great moment like Reed and Sue were meant to join the Avengers. At the last second, the rug was pulled out from under the creative team and the Fantastic Four found itself constantly shunted to the background. Unfair. Deeply unfair. And what's even more troubling about it is, for a lot of fans, what they might not realize is there was a period in time where the Fantastic Four represented a powerhouse above the X-Men. Oh? Well, when they launched Strange Tales again as a sort of multi-title mag to help you understand who all of the heroes of the Marvel Universe were, they threw in 12 to 14 page stories about the Human Torch by Stan Lee and Dick Iyer to help encourage people to pick up the title because Human Torch was kind of the Deadpool of his day. I could kind of see that for Johnny Storm. Yeah, and Thing was kind of like proto-Wolverine. <laughs> sort of like a less... Sort of like a more eloquent Hulk. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Now, I'm really glad you brought that up. I want to talk for a moment about the prevalent idea of these characters, especially when they started out. Reed Richards, what do you know about him? Um, smart and elastic. That's all. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, for the most part, Reed is elastic. Now, what do you know about Sue? Uh, his wife, invisible, and I frequently forget that she does force fields. She, in fact, can make from sight. Now, what do you think about Johnny? I know that he flames on, and I know he's something of a playboy. Johnny is the human torch, and the thing just loves to fight. So call for four! Fantastic Four! Okay, so I got a little carried away because the 90s theme song is a little too great, but in all seriousness, I feel like that cursory understanding of the Fantastic Four is one of their biggest failings. It does pretty much encapsulate the only thing that I think of when I think of the thing, which is fighting. In fact, the theme song that you are referring to shows the characters all jumping out of a book, and then when Thing jumps out last, he destroys it, which to me feels in character and begs the question of how Ben Grimm was ever on an astronaut mission to be turned into the thing in the first place. And that's kind of the dangers of this basic four-person writing idea. We've joked a bit here and there about how basically every foursome on TV boils down to the Golden Girls or Sex in the City or Designing Women formula. Or the Ninja Turtles. There's usually a nice one, a smart one, a dumb funny one, and like a sexy one. Which is the sexy Ninja Turtle? That's a great question. Do I really have to pick only one? I mean, for my money, it's kind of on Donatello, but I just like sexy nerds with muscles. That's fair. Now, part of what makes this interesting is Sue kind of started as the sexy one because she was the girl aimed at young men. And it is worth noting that Sue did not become the invisible woman until the 1980s. So she remained the invisible girl while married. Wow. Yeah, it's a bit insulting. But this idea that there's four of them, and there's the smart one, Reed, the sexy one, Sue, the funny one, I guess, would be Johnny, and that would make Thing kind of like the... The hot. He's the tank. He's the bruiser with the heart of gold. <laughs> and over time, that's kind of evolved a bit. One of the biggest storylines that you're going to see predominantly play out over the course of the Fantastic Four is Sue constantly needs to prove herself. In the comics, I don't think that's even a thing anymore. Sue was a spy in her recent solo series. She has force fields that can take down the Hulk. She can hold back a Lotvarian army. She's fucking amazing. But this cultural perception that the thing is dumb, that Sue is just the girl, there is this thing that really does hold the Fantastic Four, who are known in comics as the world's greatest comics mag, back from its greatness. As I said at the beginning of this, there have been multiple iterations of the Fantastic Four. Tons of people have stepped in, including a number of Inhumans, and even some X-Men, the likes of Storm and Wolverine, and T'Challa has even helped preside over the Fantastic Four at one time or another. There have been dozens of iterations of the Thing and the Human Torch. Frankie Ray stepped in as Human Torch before she became Nova. There has, of course, been Miss Thing and Ms. Thing, both. We had She-Hulk step in, and the Hulk was even a member of a short-lived version of the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man web-slung his way into the new Fantastic Four in the 90s, and then again in the John Hickman run, temporarily replacing the Human Torch. I remember that. I bought that polybagged book so hard. There's one in our basement somewhere. Yeah, there's like four. <laughs> I really like the John Hickman run of Fantastic Four. Now, okay, I keep talking about the Fantastic Four, but just as important as the Fantastic Four themselves and any number of people who temporarily step in as one of their own, the villains of the Fantastic Four are definitive. I think only one name can come to mind when you think of the Fantastic Four. 
Doom. That's right, the Mole Man. Get out of here. Well, it is important to note that Doctor Doom was not the first villain that the Fantastic Four faced. He actually didn't make his debut until Fantastic Four number five, with the Mole Man being the first villain. Oh my god, are you laughing because it makes him the Fantastic Fifth? Ha! Yes, I am. Well, he is going to become so inextricably linked to Reed. He is sort of like the Gunther to their friends. Oh, and I love Doombots. I just love Doombots. I am Doom. They're so much fun. Like, that's even part of the magic of the Fantastic Four. You want to do impressions of them. So the other thing is that, okay, when you think about Spider-Man, he's like a spider. And he's like a sexy jock dude, but he's also like a smart nerd. So he's always like fighting other doctors and like fighting other sexy smart nerds and like... Other animals. Other animals, right. But the Fantastic Four are like... Like, one of them's really smart. One of them's invisible. One of them is very visible. One of them is made of fire. And so, very frequently, they fight a lot of big brains. <laughs> the Fantastic Four, you know, I'm not trying to shit on them, but people kind of can name Silver Surfer, Galactus, and uh, Doom. After that, people kind of struggle for... Kragov. They find themselves at a loss for the Time Variance Authority. They are unfamiliar with Diablo or Hyperstorm. The rest of the Fantastic Four's rogue gallery does not come to life quite the same way. While I'm unfamiliar with any of the others that you referenced beyond Silver Surfer and Galactus, there is one general faux concept that I believe is linked with the Fantastic Four, the Skrulls. Ah, yes, the Skrulls. I would say, outside of Doom, the two people most, or the two ideas most important to the Fantastic Four as villains would be the Skrulls and the Puppet Master. Now, the Puppet Master is because Alicia Masters, his daughter, would go on to marry both Johnny and the Thing at two different points, but it actually turned out that marrying Johnny was a scrawl. So that's a two-in-one. That is a Marvel two-in-one, which was the name of the Thing's solo title. Are you so happy that I set you up for that? I only wish you had asked if I was so happy that you teamed up for that joke, because in fact, when Spider-Man would fill in in giant-size Marvel team-up, the Human Torch would star in Marvel team-up. Interesting. Of course, it would not be enough to just talk about the Fantastic Four's comics in this very general way. It is always important to make sure that if you have the opportunity, you bring up every embarrassing thing the Fantastic Four have ever done. The Fantastic Four did a lot of very powerful things dealing with miscarriages and emotional damage done to children by parents who don't always understand. It's really important to remember that when they worked on Fantastic Four, at any given time, creators were trying to forge a story about a family. However, it is worth noting that the Fantastic Four have on more than one occasion uh, tried a little too hard. Now, whether it was when John Byrne wrote a special giant-sized issue for Coca-Cola that was rejected for being too violent and was later published in his regular run, or any number of short-lived writers who took over, Fantastic Four has seen some choppy days. Most notably, in the 90s, they were trying, um, a little too hard to have a few too many. Despite all of these best-laid intentions, the Fantastic Four frequently found itself, uh, doing some dumb shit. Now, in the 1970s, it was standard to do things like Giant Size Fantastic Four or a Fantastic Four Annual. Those were popular throughout the 70s and 80s, but the 90s brought some real stupid titles like Fantastic Four Unlimited, Fantastic Four Unplugged, and Fantastic Four starring a future alternate version of Franklin. Wait, unplugged from what? Well, and what's weirder is it like it's part of a crossover and it didn't last that long and like you just have to know. A crossover with what? Other Fantastic Four books. Uh, uh, 
So then there had been a short-lived imprint called 2099. Marvel 2099 was an alternate future of the Marvel Universe that they claimed was possible. So Fantastic Four 2099 did not turn out to be that popular, despite having Carl Kiesel and Pascal Ferry, both of whom are legends and geniuses in the industry. The title did not do that well. You know what did extraordinarily well? Doom 2099. Doom 2099 remains the most popular and well-loved 2099 title ever. That maybe sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm a pretty big fan of Doom 2099 as a title. I don't think the character deserves much love because, you know, mass murderer. But I'm a pretty big fan of Doom 2099. However, to get back to the matter at hand, this is HTML. And on HTML, we don't talk about comics as much as we like to talk about visual media. So we're here to take a look at the many filmed and animated versions of the Fantastic Four. We're going to be taking a look at the 1967 The Fantastic Four, 1978's The New Fantastic Four, 1979's Fred and Barney Meet the Thing, 1981's Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, the Roger Corman unreleased 1993 Fantastic Four film, the 1994 to 1996 World's Greatest Heroes cartoons in their many iterations, the well-known Jessica Alba Chris Evans film series, as well as the Trashed Trank reboot and the cartoon from around that period. Yeah, there's a fuck ton of Fantastic Four, I guess. It sounds like we might be doing this forever. <laughs> I mean, and we're skipping a ton of stuff. We're not even taking a look at the Namor cartoon. There's a Namor cartoon? Of course there's a Namor cartoon. He was the first mutant and he has little ankle wings. You're right, I'm just jealous. Oh, and how could you not be? So when I think about the Fantastic Four and I think about what I'm hoping to get out of this project, I think I'm hoping to understand why it never works. Something that I love about the Fantastic Four is that they are a family and while I don't love all of them, I love Sue enough to get me through just about anything. I really like Reed and Valeria is the greatest character of all time. I guess I should mention they have two kids. Franklin and Valeria. Franklin was created in the 70s and is their baby from way back. Valeria is the miscarriage child from an earlier run that was then born through some time travel thanks to Chris Claremont. Valeria has remained incredibly popular since her creation in the early 2000s, late 1990s, and represents one of the last major changes and moves forward in canon that the Fantastic Four have experienced. So nearly 20 years then. Yeah, and what's really amazing about Valeria, for my money, is that Franklin has limitless cosmic reality reshaping abilities. He frequently loses them, but there's a number of runs and alternate universes that imply that Franklin either created Galactus, becomes Galactus, takes Galactus's place, or is strong enough to defeat him. Valeria, on the other hand, has no powers. However, at eight years old, she's as smart as her father. It's a really interesting dichotomy between the two kids. For my money, Valeria's way better. I get that. But I wonder if maybe them missing from the films is part of what hurt the films. I wonder what it is that makes the Fantastic Four never land right. I mean, in the case of the Corman film, it was made with no money to hold on to the rights. And we're going to get into that shortly. In the case of the Trank film, it sounds like the studio decided to tank it. The Jessica Alba Chris Evans films came at a point where the market was just saturated to keep making superhero films. It seems as though the Fantastic Four, in four chances, have never really had a Fantastic shot. 
You know me. I love a power twink. As someone who knows very little about the Fantastic Four, I am perhaps even more familiar with the Rugrats parody episode, Mega Diaper Babies, where they have Fantastic Four-like powers than I am familiar with the Fantastic Four themselves. I am excited to learn more about them as a team, uh, perhaps find out what all the fuss is about. I know that they are popular i just i've never really gotten it i think it's cool that they're a team that all has different powers and they're a family but nothing about it ever has ever called out to me or resonated with me personally so i'm hoping to get a better understanding of what it is that others love so much about it in that same vein, I guess I'd never thought about it in quite this way before, but my favorite version of the Fantastic Four is probably the Incredibles. You got your invisible one, you got your kind of smarmy blonde kid that moves a little too fast, you got the thing in the form of Mr. Incredible, and Elastigirl is just straight up Reed meets the invisible woman. And then they got a kid with way too many powers. It's true. So until we come back to take a look at the Incredible Fantastics, where can everybody find you online, Kevo? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kevo Really, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y, and also on the facebook page for this lovely program husbands talking more or less at real nico kevo action you can also find the super fun super cool super inclusive superhero comics that nico and i produce over at kidridecomics.com nico where can the folks at home find you you guys as always can find me all over this amazing network on shows like x's for podcast on mondays and thursdays and this show all summer long covering the fantastic four don't forget to check me out on instagram and twitter at nico action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n guys the world is changing the most important thing you can do is stay aware of the world going on we have a big election coming up and it is important to arm yourself with knowledge please remember to vote like your friends lives depend on it and we need to be doing better until we come back to talk about more media however keep those cosmic rays shining i don't have a sign off yet